Welcome back, everybody, back to the fourth episode of the Discussion Podcast. This is going by really fast. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> so, um, for this episode, I actually did something a little different. I sat down by myself and uh, spoke for about two hours. And I just shared my experience on my trip. So, when I was 19, I left for, it was, if I'm not mistaken, seven months. I backpacked alone throughout Europe and just had so many experiences and I never really took the time to kind of tell the story to people. It was always a bit of a story to this person and this other person, but I never fully did the whole thing and I kind of wanted to go back uh, into memory lane (laughs) and uh, yeah, just to share because there was a bunch of stuff that happened that I think was just just funny anecdotes to, to tell. Um, it was a bit of a messy day, so there's a bunch of transitions, so it's, it's a little sloppy. And in the middle of the podcast, I was thinking that I would do two different episodes since it was getting a little long after an hour. But then I came back two days later and I was like, nah, I'm just going to finish it. So you'll hear that too. So without further ado, please enjoy the fourth episode. So I guess we can start with first things first, why I decided to even go on this trip. We have to go way back to high school. Jesus. Jesus, I'm getting old. Um, so I guess, yeah, towards the, the end of high school, I had started to build this really kind of strange um, like idea that I had to be self-reliant on everything so that I couldn't really count on anybody no more. I had this mindset where I had to learn how to be by myself and do everything myself, but not just as a person, even stuff like I had to, I wanted to learn how to build my own house and grow my own vegetables, and like make my own clothes. Like, I mean, I, I did go to a funky school, so that didn't help for sure. But I, I really started growing this, this obsession of, of doing like everything myself. And so by doing that, I was okay. Well, I, I kind of want to do a trip, and I want to have a trip by myself, and I want to use only my money and do this and like live really extreme experiences, and and all that jazz. So finishing high school, I went back to Montreal for the summer, um, and I worked a couple of jobs. The first one was for uh, nonprofit organizations such as Amnesty. I was doing like a like a donor collection basically, and. Uh, it kind of started there. I was just really obsessed with this idea that I had to learn how to do everything myself. But let's say that, you know, you're a high school, finished, graduated high school kid. You're back in the city. You're making your money. I wasn't <laughs> really careful with it. So I would just spend money left and right. Didn't really save up much. And after working for that company for about, I don't know, like two, two months and a half, three months. I had basically saved no money. Like I was back to ground zero. And the little money that I had left, that's when I was like, you know, I kind of realized where I was going financially. And I was like, the first move that I'll do is that I'm going to buy a one-way ticket to to Europe. And I chose Rome because I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Rome seems fine. So I bought a one-way ticket with the money that I had, like the little that I had kind of saved. And then I was back to ground zero. And I bought the ticket to leave on January 15th, 2018. 
yeah exactly um and so after that you know like i had no money and i was like okay well i should probably work again so i can have some money when i when i do when i do leave and uh the first job that I had after that was at a little bagel shop for like, I worked there for like a week. The owner was a total ass, like ass bag, like just disgusting, like was a total racist, like angry, like malicious little fat dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember I came in, gave my CV. I worked there for a couple of days and I could see off the bat, you know, he'd be yelling at everybody. He was only nice with me. And I'm pretty sure it's because I was white. So that was, like, already just so toxic. And, um, yeah, he would, like, call some of his employees by numbers, depending on how much they made by year. It was just nasty. And I remember, I think it was, like, my fourth day there, because it was, like, a week. I was making this, like, like bagel sandwich for a client. And I started cutting, the tom- like, a tomato. But... I don't know, I guess I was cutting it in a way that he wasn't used to and that didn't look as aesthetically pleasing as he wanted to. And he started just like yelling at me and being like, like, are you like, are you stupid? Why are you cutting the tomato like this? Like, who taught you this? Like, are you retarded? And I was just like, like, what? (laughs) And I remember being so pissed and being like, nah, like, I'm not going to start being treated like shit right now. So I... I literally stood up and I, I yelled back at him and I was like, no, like, you have no right to tell me this. Like, you cannot treat me or other people like this. It just doesn't work. And he was so, like, bewildered, like, what? <laughs> and I was like, you know what, just, like, pay me and I'm just gonna, like, I quit. And he felt so good saying that. And he was like, all right, well, like, I'm sorry, whatever. So he gave me, like, the money and I left. Uh, and he even, like, went back. When I was like, when when I was leaving, he like went after me. He's like, oh, look, look, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And I was like, nah, man, like it's too late. Like, I don't want to work with you. And I think I had made in a week, like, a, like 200 bucks, maybe 300, something like that. And the same day I was like so frustrated. I realized that I also had to, to make a French passport, like a European passport, because I wanted to have one there because I wanted to work. Uh, and my Canadian one. So with that money that I made, I just went and like renewed a passport and made my other one. And after that, we were back in like, that was in like end of November. I found this job at a little local cafe. And uh, I became a barista for like basically not even two months, like a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, like a month and a half. Yeah. Uh and I remember feeling so bad because it was like this local cafe, but it was ran by this, by this like nice family. And, uh, you know, like it seemed like they were really careful on who they were trying to hire. And, you know, she like really made sure that I was the right person and everything. And she asked me if I was thinking of staying there for like at least a year. And, uh, well, what do you want? I, I goddamn lied. <laughs> I said I was knowing that I was leaving in a month and a half, but I just needed the cash. Uh, so I told her that yeah I'd be staying for a year so I worked there I actually became a pretty good barista for only having been trained like a month and uh, I did that I was a barista and um, after a month and a half when when like beginning of or like mid uh, January came through 
I was like, hey, look, listen, this happened, this happened, and I'm actually I had a chance to travel, so I gotta go, gotta dip. Uh, I'm sure my Xbox will not hear this, but Daisy, if you hear this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had to lie to you. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel really bad. Um, but she was like, no, nah, it's okay. Like, go, oh, I understand. It's like a trip of a lifetime. And she had been to Europe too. She understood it. So, anyways, uh, came the big day, Jan 15th. And I left. And by that time, what's important in the story is that throughout the the bagel shop in the in the cafe, I had made around, I would say, like twelve hundred dollars, a thousand two hundred Canadian. And I left to Europe, knowing that that was everything I had in the bank. Sorry about that. I had a little phone call. And so, yeah, the idea is I was broke, <laughs> didn't have much money. And another important detail is that when I left, I really wanted to, to build also this minimalist, like, ideology, kind of. And everything that I left with was a regular school backpack. I remember it was a Herschel backpack that had a camera because I wanted to do, like, a vlog. There was a ukulele because got to and then like i think like a book and some other stuff and then i had a bigger bag but i would say it would probably be like twice the size of a school backpack and it was like in a cylinder shape it was small like i think that i brought like three pair of pants two shorts couple of t-shirts seven pair of underwear and socks a hat and like literally the like as basic as it gets like we're not doing any fancy outfits here and like my watch so i left really minimalist with very little cash and very little of my mind <laughs> <too. laughs> and um yeah so it came but it came the big day and i took my flight to to rome oh yeah and i forgot so the only thing that i had planned before i left was that I was staying in, uh, like, a studio, basically. I had contacted the uncle of a good friend of mine from back in elementary school. And she had told me that he lived in Rome and had a house there and everything. So, we literally, him and I called once a couple of months before I got there. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, come whenever you're ready, come to this address. Uh, I'll be there waiting for you and I'll tell you, like, more information. But, like, it should like you should be good to go we spoke once that was like a month before and i didn't really reach out to him before like hoping that he would remember that i was showing up to his doorstep at that time like that day of the year <laughs> so i take my flights which is not direct because can't afford that crap it was from montreal to tunisia tunisia i stayed there for a couple of uh, hours and then from there to rome that flight felt like eternity so long so thirsty <laughs> so i started off real good and yeah then i got to rome and i realized that even though it's uh what's the capital people don't really speak english like well at all <laughs> so, so i get there and unfortunately i had met this quebecer guy who was also going to Rome. 
and uh and so we got it together and he helped me he was like you know like you have to buy like this uh prepaid card for your phone to have service and everything so like i did that i got this i got this prepaid like like data and stuff and he was telling me like basic words and at some point well he had to go somewhere else so he was like all right well like ciao i guess and i was like all right bye so he brought me to like pretty much like downtown where the where the train station was Terimini. and i like was able to connect my phone find data i think for some reason i remember being really complicated and stressful but i ended up finding the right bus and going down the right station and i end up in this really lavished neighborhood like beautiful neighborhood like the rich part of rome and it was like pretty much in a center but like like still pretty far from the station and i was like uh, like <laughs> am i at the right place like what <laughs> and i and i get there and it's like this private little building with like gates and I open, and it's like this old, like, Italian lady, and she's like, hey, hello, whatever, like, you know, but, like, in Italian. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's okay, I'll just, like, fine, it's okay. She's like, okay, yeah, whatever. So I go to, like, the last, um, basically the last floor of, like, this beautiful residential building. And the door was open, so I slide open, and it smelled, like, cigar and books and, like, like a he- like an old heater all at the same time and there was this guy just sitting there like in shorts smoking a cigar amongst like all these old books in this apartment that was like a total disaster and i'm like what (laughs) and this guy called eric is like hey julian what's up like you got here in good time i was just about to leave i was waiting for you and i was like okay yeah cool and uh and he's like, yeah, well, you know, actually, this is this is uh, my studio, but I actually don't live here. I live with with my wife, so the studio is yours. You can just stay here as long as you want. I I'm probably gonna come by at some point because I'm recording podcasts in the studio. But it, apart from that, like like you you do you know? And I was like, oh really? He's like, yeah yeah yeah. And so we chatted. Then he left, and I was left in this like beautiful apartment. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And well, of course, there was a bed and everything, and a fridge and a little stove and a shower and everything. But it was really rustic and like not really well kept. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And that started my first stop in Rome. I remember being really nervous because it was just like I knew no one, knew nothing, didn't do my research about what rome was about kind of like the neighborhoods the people i just kind of showed up there um and the first day that i got there i ended up going to an atm and taking out money and i think i took out like i don't know 300 euros which in canadian hurts a lot more because of the difference in currency and yeah by the first day i had taken money out i think in my bank accounts i had the equivalent to what would it be like 700 600 dollars <laughs> on my first day <laughs> and i'm like oh god um and yeah i stayed in a room for a month which was pretty unique i slowly got adapted i was like started reading kind of like tourists book that he had in the studio i did a lot of walking um 
I'm, you know, I think it's unfortunate because I wish I'd have been more financially smart to be able to fully enjoy because I wasn't really able to go to like a nice restaurant and everything. It was kind of just like I was cooking my own food and that pretty much looked like potatoes and pasta and salads literally for like a month. That's pretty much what it looked like. And very rarely would I buy stuff outside except for pizza because it's amazing. Their pizza is amazing. Literally, it's like it's like this fat Italian dude. Always, always a fat Italian dude, and he has like this huge pizza. And they're and they're big squares. They're not they're not round, but it's like street food. And he's like, "Yeah, how much do you want?" And I'll be like, "I don't know, I want like two euros fifty. And so he like gets a big pair of scissors, cuts you a piece that weighs exactly the equivalent of two euros fifty. And he's like, "Okay, bye." And it's like so juicy with a bunch of olive oil. It's amazing. So that was my snack for, for a month. Um, and I explored a lot of things. I met some people. I went out sometimes. I went to bars. I went to a couple of clubs. Was being a stupid 19-year-old enjoying life. Uh, and yeah, one crazy thing that happened when I was in, in Rome is one day I was walking next to like a not even that much of a touristy place, but it was kind of like downtown, I guess. And I just see this guy from far away. And he looks at me. And I just go there and I'm like, wait, Francis? He's like, Julian? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and Francis was this guy that I worked with uh, the summer before I left when I was working for the nonprofits. We worked together for like a week, not even. Like we would just, you know, like do our job together. And I find him in the middle of Rome, like about to go into this like private sector where I was going to. And we're literally the both like, what are the chances that you and I end up being here at the exact like same time? So um, we ended up chilling together and we met up a couple of times throughout uh, throughout those days. And at the time, I believe he was building some sort of website or company or photography company, I think. I really can't remember. But what I do remember is us going to different universities, like Italian universities. And we would, like, talk to girls and, like, get their pictures so he could post them on his website, I guess. <laughs> so we just go there, like, not speaking Italian. <laughs> And just being like, hey, can we take a picture for, like, our website? And they'd be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and until very recently, I still had some of those people. Like, some of these guys and girls <laughs> that didn't even speak English <laughs> that I had. That I had spoken to for, like, a couple of minutes years back. <laughs> I unfollowed them. Sorry, Biebs. Can't, can't be doing that. So yeah, that that was my time. Uh, a lot of different stories here and there, but that was the main idea. I think it was just really interesting for me to get an idea of of what it was like to be fully independent and just I don't know. Yeah, just rely on yourself really, which is what I was looking for. So that was like the first big challenge. And after a month, I booked a. I ticket a flight to go to Greece because I was I really wanted to go to Greece. It was like my dream destination, um, and I had like opened basically an account with this company called Workaway, 
which is basically uh, people like put up a profile and it's people who either have like a private house or a hostel or really whatever it is they want and you can stay at their house for free so food and shelter and you can just provide a couple hours of work for them to help them do whatever maintenance work it's never really that complicated you know it's just like cleaning and taking care of animals and whatever if they have any and uh and so yeah so i was doing that i had found this place called the art farm that was next to kalamata which is uh, where they grew a bunch of olives and uh, it was this farm that looked beautiful and they accepted me they were like yeah like come like pretty soon if you want to you can stay with us and we'll give you food and shelter and so he gave me a date to get there and i decided that i would go to athens a couple of days before to just kind of like look at the city because i just really wanted to go there and so when that was time i left rome took my flight again lowering how much money i had even more you know it was, it was going downhill every day it was stressed i was you know sweating waking up in sweats <laughs> like how am i gonna live and uh yeah my flight was uh, like i think like four in the morning so i'm like like i wake up and i go to the airport and also in rome it's so expensive to get to the airport because you have to take this like special train that gets you to the airport because it's like out the city but it's like so expensive anyways but i get there i take my flight which was amazing it was so beautiful like across the mediterranean and i get to athens and i remember being like you know what, I'm a, I'm going to live, like, the full hippie lifestyle. Like, I'm not even going to worry about none, nothing. And this time, for real, I had nowhere to go. I just pulled up to Athens, and I was like, whatever happens is going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I got there. I got to the airport, got my bags, took the uh, the subway. And just rode the subway for about 45 minutes, having no idea where I was going. And at some point, we stopped. That's like a normal stop. And I heard the name. And I was like, this sounds nice. So I got out because I liked the name of the station. And it was this beautiful park that was literally just outside the station. And there was like these trees and the sun was coming in beautifully, creating like shadows and there was like there were people taking picnics and everything. It was really quite beautiful. Um, and I think by the time it was like early afternoon, and uh, and I got there, and I just took off my shoes, and I pulled up my ukulele, and I just started playing in the park ukulele, and that was like in now we were in February, and it was like eighteen degrees. It was absolutely stunning. It was beautiful. And it felt amazing. Um, so I started playing my ukulele. And this couple came to me. And they're like, oh, hey, like we love what you play. And then we started chatting. And uh, we just like ended up talking. And they were like, yeah, so like, what's your plan and everything? And I was like, oh, I don't really have anything. They ended up telling me like places that I could go. And places I could visit and everything. And like free stuff. Because they understood I didn't have much money. So I was like, you know, I was like, you know, this is great. Like going with the flow is amazing. People are gonna, just going to come up to me and help me and everything. And um, after 
a couple hours playing ukulele and walking around and people looking at me like I was a complete homeless boy, which I was. I got hungry, so I started walking and I was down for a souvlaki, which is the equivalent to like a kebab, but it's Greek. It's delicious. And it turns out that when I got there, actually, it was like souvlaki day. I, I heard that after it was apparently souvlaki day because everyone was just grilling hardcore. People were grilling all types of meats and stuff. It was like smoking city out there. Um, so I was walking and Athens is like in, a, in like kind of hills. So streets go down and up and it's not really like your typical North American architecture. And at some point I was like walking up this like small hill and as cheesy as it sounds, cause I've told the story before and everyone's like, Oh my God, that's so cheesy, but it's true. I was walking and I saw two paths, one going down that was like somber and one going up and the light was just shining through and I could just see someone in the horizon. And I was like, trust your heart, Julian. <laughs> I was like, do the right thing. <laughs> like follow your heart. And so I followed the, the one that was going up, you know, like going up the hill with the bags. Cause right. I had, during all this time, I have bags on me. So I'm carrying everything i'm carrying my life on me i'm carrying my money my passports my ukulele my camera and so like and it's tiring after walking for a couple hours doing nothing right and so i'm walking up and and i get closer and it, there's this girl sitting on this bench eating like an apple i think and i go up to her and i'm like hey look listen i'm i'm new here like do you speak english and she's like yeah yeah I'm like i'm hungry i'm just trying to see if you recommended me a good place where I could eat a souvlaki. And uh, she gets really excited. She tells me, yeah, of course. Actually, I was going to I was gonna get something to eat myself. So why don't I help you uh, and, and bring you to this local place that I know? And I'm like, yeah, great. So we start walking. And, uh, and so I start telling her a bit of my story and what I've done and, and where I'm going. And I end up uh, telling her totally just because I was talking not because of any particular reason but i tell her that i have nowhere to sleep and she's like like what do you mean like you have nowhere to sleep and i was like no i was probably thinking of like sleeping in a park whatever and she's like what she's like dude you're in athens like you can't just do that here like you're gonna get mugged <laughs> and it's like oh really and she's like yeah yeah like you can't do that and i'm like oh okay shit um so so she's like, oh, you know, like she was kind of hesitant and everything. And then like we start eating something. We get to like know each other a little better. And she's like, you know what? I don't really do this, but like I live with my mom, like in the other part of town. Why don't you just like come in and I'll host you for a couple of nights, you know, because I, I don't think it's safe if you sleep out there. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, here, um, give me your phone number and I'll give you a call later tonight just to confirm that my mom's okay with this. And I was like, okay. And I get really hyped. And I'm like, dude, like, this is what following your heart looks like. Like, it's amazing. Like, this whole day was just incredible. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and I'll call you later. And I completely trust this stranger. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm sure she'll call me. So I end up walking again for a couple hours with my bags. And by that time, I think it had been more than 24 hours that i had not slept through taking the plane and, and having woken up like in the middle of the night to take the plane and everything i was exhausted 
and it hit me hard. And by that time, I was in like a subway station and it was like eight o'clock. I couldn't move. I was on the floor trying to plug in my phone and there was cards or people who like worked in the station that kept telling me like, you know, you can't be here on the floor. You have to leave. Like you can't plug your phone here. And I was like, please just like give me a couple of minutes just to like get a bit of juice on my phone. And I say that in English, but that was all in goddamn Greek. <laughs> like when I was in Italy, it was all in Italian and all in Greek. So it's a bit of like hands, gestures and face expressions. And I'm like, just like, dude, please. <laughs> and so they were kind of like, they would leave me alone, then come back and, and like bother me. And I was like on the floor. It just, I looked so bad. I was so tired. And by like 8.30, I still hadn't received like a call from her and I was like I think I got played <laughs> and I'm gonna sleep in the station or outside and it was getting pretty chilly and then let's say I didn't have a lot of clothes so I ended up being there for a while and then magically I get the call at like 9 30 and she's like, hey, I'm sorry it took so long, but, like, you can come to my place. Here's your dress. Like, you're all good. And I took the last bit of energy to grab myself, ah, like, out of the floor and just, like, jump the subway because I couldn't pay for a goddamn ticket. Or I didn't want to pay for a goddamn ticket. And I uh, went to her place. And uh, her mom was, like, super chill. She's like, hey, like, please stay here. Like, let me cook you some food. And, like, she, like, pulled that, like, 10 different types of feta and olive oils and just like drowned me in olive oil and feta and bread and I loved every second of it <laughs> and I'm so grateful to Maria and her mom if you ever listen to this god bless you and uh and yes I stayed with them for a couple of uh, a couple of days and after that I was supposed to meet uh, a guy basically the son of the owner of the of the farm right because I was supposed to go to that farm and he was picking me up in Athens um and he picked me up a couple days later like in the middle of the night Greeks really haven't by the way they have no schedule like it's literally Nepotica they were like yeah this time they show up two hours late then it's like always in the middle of the night like why can't you just pick me up like I don't know, like, 12, like, in the afternoon, why does it have to be, like, 11 at night in the middle of the sketchy road, like, <laughs> and so he picks me up, and then, like, in, no, it was pretty close to downtown, but it was just late, picks me up, it brings me to somewhere, like, I think, a, like, a friend of his, I think, and I was like, are we going to the farm, and he's like, oh, yeah, we'll, but we'll leave in a couple of days, and I'm like, again, <laughs> like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. So we stayed there and, like, we would just smoke and drink <laughs> constantly. They would drink this, like, white, like, transparent liquor that was kind of like vodka, but it's not vodka. It's made out of the resin, uh, like, the, the like the peel of, of grapes. It's like this type of vodka and, and, you know. So I said there were a couple of days. Our breakfast was, like, a shot of coffee, a cigarette, and toast with avocado yeah it's pretty pretty intense and uh oh yeah i went to uh, yeah at some point he brought me to like a friend of hers and they were having a greek party 
and I was like the only gringo and so basically they like grabbed me and started dancing with me and I was like going in circles singing <laughs> like Greek songs with a bunch of strangers <laughs> um so that's one thing that happened and okay eventually so we get to the goddamn farm so we take a bus we leave that was like mid-feb and we get to this farm or actually, no, we get to Kalamata, which is where the owner lives, and his farm is, like, 20 minutes away from there. I stayed there for, like, I would say three weeks, um, and it was a very hectic three weeks. First and foremost, the guy who owns the farm, called Sotiris, was an absolute, he was a maniac. He was, like, Albert Einstein, but Greek. This old dude with literally the hair of Albert Einstein. And yeah, he would tell us just such funny stories. <laughs> he explained to me that the 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 farm, which it, it wasn't really a farm. <laughs> it was kind of like, it was like, how can I explain this? Imagine a hotel that was made in the 80s that was like really popping at the time and then uh it went out of style and people stopped showing up but the guy still kept it so it's kind of like vintage and there's not really a lot of people and it looks a little sketch yeah (laughs) that's pretty much it with a beautiful view though it was on the mediterranean like in the mountains but it had guest houses and it had tree houses and he was obsessed with tree houses. But there was nothing really anything to do. Like he was just hosting people, but he wasn't there a lot. And there wasn't anything to do because there were no guests. We were the guests. <laughs> so <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> so, so this guy explains to me <laughs> that, that he had built most of the guest houses and and the main like the main building that was like this big hall with like to to like to host events he had built it using the materials of Kalamata city when a couple years back or or many years back they had rebuilt downtown so they like took like so they basically redid down like downtown so they took out the old like cement and everything and and made a new like a they basically like renewed it right and he would go at night and he would steal the materials that they had just like taken out like yeah the cement and everything and the rocks because it was like nice and he would go with trucks at night with friends and steal it and bring it to his like farm and build his farm with those materials because he didn't want to buy any (laughs) so so um he was he would do that yeah he was just a little cuckoo in general uh, fortunately i was not alone i was with a couple of a couple of also uh work wayers, like we used to call them one uh one german guy i think i think he was german fred what's up fred and a couple from france uh and they were all like so sick of him they were like this guy's cuckoo and then at first i was like no guys come on like he's just an old man you have to give him time and then after like a week i was like yeah you guys are right he's cuckoo as hell um one time like him and the french guy 
came back to the farm and the french guy because uh, they had gone somewhere somewhere else came back with a look in his face like what the hell did i just witness and i asked him and i was like dude like like what happened he was like dude we just went to the neighbor's house dug up like um somewhere near his house where sotiris the guy knew his what's it called? Like, his pl- like plumber system plumbery system was basically and he saw like he took a saw and he cut a tube because he needed it and we brought it back to our farm to fix our problem with the neighbor's tube by cutting it <laughs> i was like what <laughs> these guys are stealing all over the place <laughs> So they would do that uh, sometimes instead of sleeping at the farm because it was cold and it was not very comfortable. I would sleep at his place that was in the city and when I wanted to kind of be more in, in the city space. And when I would be there with him in the city in the morning uh, before leaving to the farm, we would stop by downtown. You get the pattern. He loves downtown. And by the way, this guy's like 70. Like he's not young, but he seems young in his head and this guy you know like would go downtown next to this huge avocado trees because greece is bombarded with avocado trees and olive trees and he would climb on top of his like car that was kind of like a minivan and he had concocted this kind of like the the end of a broom with some sort of like what would you say that like a fillet like a way to catch things you know i don't know how to explain it but basically he had a stick and he would go on top of his car to reach the first branches of the tree and he would hit the branches to get avocados and then he would like make him fall towards my direction and he would yell at me like you stupid boy like you have like catch the avocado and he'd be throwing like avocados like all over me and i had to catch him put him in the put him in the car in the minivan and once we had i don't know like like five ten avocados we would go to the farm and that would be our breakfast just fresh avocados from downtown and people were just like people knew who he was and they were like what a what a crazy guy he was kind of known as like the the crazy dude of the area and uh and yeah so i stayed there you know we would go to the beach it was amazing even though it was in february like you could still swim the water was not that cold like it was the first time that i swam in water where you could go like go way out far from from the from the shore and you could see your whole body through the water like it was amazing i was like this is crazy um but after about two and three two three weeks uh fred and the french couple they all left because they had you know like other places to go and i ended up being by myself for like a week with this guy and let me tell you a week with sotiris is like a year in hell (laughs) it was pretty intense uh and we would like just get mad at each other and try to do things and it wouldn't work so it just felt like a really long oh yeah and also i didn't really have much like data at the time like my phone just didn't really pick up much because i was in the middle of nowhere um and yeah so it was kind of intense after that 
I ended up like being able to book a flight to France. Um, and I was able to contact some relatives that I had actually never met in France that lived next to Nice in the southern part of France. Um, and I and I went to France, so I I booked my flights, went back to Athens, and uh, yeah, I was on my way to France. And I was like, "Ciao, bye, Greece. Thank you so much. Catch you later, alligator." And uh, basically, I get to France with relatives, and it was kind of like a safer space, you know. Like I I knew his family, I was feeling a little better, and. Uh, but money-wise, I was doing really bad. I had also taken out some money in Greece. So I think I had, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars left. That's it. And that was a really nice time, I remember. And, well, it was tough, but nice too, you know, because the whole thing was pretty tough. But um, yeah, I would go to Nice and then like I went with a cousin and we would visit places. And I think it was nice to have company a lot more than before because, you know, traveling alone is intense and you live a lot of things and it's nice but oftentimes when you don't have someone to share that with it just it makes it a lot more difficult to to appreciate things right because yeah so with cousins were there um at some point i had taken a bike and i had written uh well read yeah all the way to Cannes like where the Cannes Festival was held, and it was, eh, it was May actually, but the bike ride was amazing, bike for like a couple of hours from close to Nice, and then you would pass by like beautiful castles, there would be, at some point yeah, you pass by a place that was like kind of like Picasso's summer house, so like literally you're surrounded by art, no matter where you go. And, yes, I would take, like, bike rides, go to Cannes, go to the beach. By that time, we were in March, and you could, like, definitely swim. Like, there was a bunch of people there. It was absolutely, absolutely beautiful. The family had a chalet in the mountains that in this, like, this tiny, tiny town. Um, so, we would, like, literally, you took, like, two hours in car, and you would get there. And it was crazy because you could be on the shore so at nice and it was like sunny and you could go to the beach and from there you could look at the mountains and they were like coated with snow and if you took a car and you went even an hour out you were like in complete like in complete winter but from afar you could see the shore being all sunny so it was like a really intense contra- uh, contrast um yeah, so I, I stayed there for, for a couple of weeks because I just really needed to, to kind of calm down and, and take like a step back after two months of just continuous, like nonstop. Um, and during that time, that's also when things hit the fan for me a little more because I, again, took money from, from the ATM and I took out the last amount of money that I had in my bank accounts. Like the last... $300 or 200 or euros and I was dry like dry dry no savings no checkings no nothing like <laughs> and I remember just posting a story on my Instagram and being like well that's as far as I went <laughs> and I was like three months in of the trip 
but I was like, nah, like I'm not gonna go home, like go big or go home, right? So I took that, and after being a few weeks there, I saw some relatives uh, that were in Avignon for a couple of days, and then I booked um, a train to get to Paris. And Paris, oh God, Paris was interesting. Uh, I got to Paris and I had a deal to stay with my cousin that lived there at the time, who still does, but who had an apartment there. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me put that here. And uh, so my cousin at the time was studying architecture uh, and I had this tiny apartment in the 9-3, which is like, a bit of the the ghetto of Paris, and uh, it was really an interesting time. <laughs> I got there with him, uh, and it was his first year, so I think he was still adapting, and, and I was adapting to also just traveling alone. Uh, and he was also absolutely broke as hell. Yeah, I was trying to make a word: brokenses, brokers. Anyways, we were broke. We would, I remember we would have this little cup, like this little mug, and we would put all the money we had, which was equivalent to like a couple of euros, maybe like three, four euros. And that's all we had. <laughs> and after getting there a couple of days, you know, in Paris and kind of discovering Paris, but I, I can't say that I had the best impression at first because I got there in such a rush and already stressing that I couldn't really take my time because... um. I had a plan of getting a job in Paris. I was like, I'm going to work because I need more money. And I think it's unfortunate that my whole life was just, it was surrounding the stress that I couldn't buy things. Um, But I remember getting there and seeing the Eiffel Tower. And even though it's so classic, it was so beautiful. I was like, damn, like, like I'm actually here. Like I've made it this far in my trip. Like, damn, like by myself too, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I stayed with my cousin for a couple of days at first, um, to get ready, took out my CVs and everything. And, and, uh, and I went out and and looked for a job one day, you know, when I kind of took my, my balls by the hand and, and I woke up and I told my cousin, you know, today I'm getting a job and I'm coming back to this apartment with a job. And he was like, okay, good luck. And I left. I went to a couple of different neighborhoods, left some CVs at some bars, but I had no experience, so no one wanted to really have me. Um, but at one of the bars that I went, this lady was like, oh, have you heard of, of this bar? Like this, this, and she tells me your name. Uh, and I'm like, no, I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm new here. She's like, okay, well, there were like this huge uh, chain of like bars and, and clubs and Oftentimes, they don't care if you're inexperienced. Maybe you have a shot there. And she gives me the direction. She's like, you know, just continue right, left, right, left, right, left, 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 you're there. And I'm like, okay. So I follow the best that I can for instructions, and I get lost, and I'm like, like, whatever, like, I hate this. And I really get lost because I didn't understand what she, like, the instruction she told me. And I'm so when I walk, and by chance, I guess I refound my path. And I just see the place of the name she told me in front of me. That was actually, funny enough, in front of the catacomb of Paris, which is like where all the skeletons are. It was already spooky. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and I'm so nervous. Like, I'm literally so nervous. I'm shaking. 
but I'm like, no, like, you have to do this, like, it's just, it's survival mode, and I go in, and I just, I just looked so young and innocent, like, just not ready to handle life, and I go there, and I'm just like, hey, uh, it's like, like, are you guys looking, like, for someone to work, <laughs> and this girl's like, okay, honey, we'll, like, sit down, it's okay, like, we'll see, and she's like, well, I should you're in luck because the, the the owner owner of all the chains is actually here at this location today, like right now. She's like, let me see if I can get him to do you like a quick interview. And I was like, yeah, totally. So I'm waiting. And then this guy comes out of like the kitchen. This goddamn huge, like massive Australian guy with like a lumberjack ja- like jacket. And the fattest, like, beard. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. He brings this table that was, like, so crooked. He's like, yeah, so, um, like, uh, are you ready to work? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like, okay, um, you have experience? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. He's like, do you work hard? And I was like, yes, I do. Okay, you start Monday. <laughs> and I was like, really? He's like, yep. He's like, but you're starting at the new location, which is, uh, like, this new fancy one that was next to this, like, Sienne in Paris, where you could see the Eiffel Tower from it. And I was like, Jesus, like, sure, damn, that, that's perfect. Gives me the address. And I go back to the apartment, and I'm like, I told you, I got a job <laughs> to my cousin. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> so I had done my first thing. I had I got myself a job, and I was starting, yeah, like, in a couple of days. And uh, so that's it. And then the, the the big day came. And basically, I didn't really understand it, but I understood later that there were 12-hour shifts. So I would start at 7 p.m. and I would end towards 7, latest 9 a.m. It was all night because the clubs in, in Paris close at like, they close at 6, I believe. So the time you clean everything. Um, And I got there. It was beautiful. Like, it was like this terrace dj place with like the sun and people had the glasses it was like the beginning of the warmth you know at that time we were in like april i think uh and i get there and it's just a terrible like the vibe for people to go there is nice but the worker vibe was terrible it's like super pretentious and it's just people like that were in their like late 20s you know bartenders and everything and uh, you kind of have to just make your impression. You kind of have to go and, and just do and make your impression. But I was just nervous. So I kind of kept it low key. But, you know, you're kind of new. You kind of have to bust your ass more than everyone else. It's very like, 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 I would say like a ladder. So it's like if you're the more experienced, then you get to treat people like shit. And if you're new, you take all the shit. So I took all the shit. My first day, you literally take the dump in your face. And you have to pretend you love it. <laughs> Uh, and my job was a glass glassier, so I had to uh, basically pick up glasses and and help people make. No, I wasn't making drinks, but like help them prepare to make drinks, and uh, and clean up uh, the terrace when people were throwing stuff, and clean up cigarette buds, and just really the dirty stuff. And if people, someone puked, you were the one who was gonna pick up that puke. Um, and uh, and yeah, so a couple first hours were okay because it was like nice and sunny and everything. But then by like 11, uh, basically the terrace, uh, well, the DJ outside goes in and it becomes like a club inside. And every, 
J'arrive. Ok, we'll break. I'll be right back then. Ok, everybody, we're back. We have to take a little break because I had to eat some souvlakis. Talk about souvlakis. Look at that. I am really happy you can't smell my breath because it does not smell pleasing. I'll tell you that much. Alright, so where were we? The club, right? Yeah, exactly, the club. So, um, basically, quite a tough experience. Like I was saying, towards the end of it, the club becomes, uh, like the inside part becomes a club. And uh, the atmosphere just changes, like, drastically. And it's like a lot of, it's kind of like a higher end club. So it's a lot of like richer Parisian people. So, you know, they kind of like don't care who you are and they throw things all over the floor and you pick it up and you're kind of like a dog. And at some point, yeah, like somebody broke a glass and somebody like puked and I had to clean it up. And um, you had like basically one break. You had like one hour break i believe no it was like half an hour 45 minutes and then you're just doing like the rest of your shift and i remember multiple times throughout that experience having like total like meltdowns and just literally going um to the bathroom and just being like like why am i here i just want to go i just want to like bounce um but i ended up finishing my day i finished it at like I would have said, um, yeah, like 8 a.m. And I was like so destroyed and just came home absolutely like smashed. And my cousin had like woken up as like the time I got home from work and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, whatever. Just took a shower, crashed. And basically like you sleep and you wake up at like, what would it be? Like 4 or 5 p.m. And by that time, you only have time to take a shower or whatever and get ready and leave to work so it's like you don't really have a life next day i go back to work and it's worse than before it's like the same thing over and over like just people going wild like it's crazy the club is even more packed by the time we were like saturday um because i didn't start on a monday i started i started on on friday i believe or thursday but it was either friday or saturday and it was just super packed and it was even worse, like, and, and anyways, the whole night was just terrible, and by the end of it, I remember finishing again at, like, 8, I believe, almost 9 a.m., and leaving, and, like, I was just drenched in, like, sticky alcohol, in, like, cuts all over my fingers, and, like, just, like, lime juice all over, and I remember, too, that the two nights, for some reason, the big elevator... Uh, that's like the industrial elevators to bring the trash wasn't working so we had to bring these massive containers like these industrial containers and we had to take them by two and the two times i did them because of course and i had we had to like bring him down the goddamn stairs <laughs> like like so early in the morning and like i was the one that was like holding it so every time i would go down a step like it would like hit my chest um and like it would be like a good amount of stairs and then you have to bring him to the streets literally in the streets where there's a bunch of people like drunk people everywhere 
bring it, pass them through, move people, move them to like a baker container where there was a bunch of trash. A total mess. And I left that morning just like having literally like bleeding from my chest, having cuts from my fingers, smelling like shit, being so destroyed. Um, and I remember leaving that morning and being like, I am never doing a job that I do not like again. I'm never going to be treated this way again. And you get the pattern here. I was broke. So I couldn't even pay for a bus pass because they were only going to pay me at the end of the month because they only pay you once a month. So like I had to wait outside or in front of the of like the, the subway station because they had like systems so you couldn't jump the barriers and I had to wait for someone to like go out for me to hold the door and go in the subway. And I remember just being there waiting for like 10, 15 minutes on the floor for waiting for someone to come out so I can like grab the door and go in that way. It was just absolutely bazonkers. And I came home and I told my cousin, I was like, you know what? It's only been two days, but I'm not going back. Like I, I just quit. And I remember calling them and being like, hey, like, look, I'm just I'm not cut for this. And they were like, OK, well, it's OK. I understand. And I was it felt so liberating. And that's when, to me, because, of course, during the whole trip, I had been playing uh, ukulele and my cousin had a guitar. And I was like, no, like, I want to I want to do something that that I love. I want to make music like that's like I, I'm going to do everything I can to focus my life around music. And I think I had to go that low to just like boost myself up to see the artistic direction in which I wanted to go. And then a couple days, or I think the next day that I was like free and I was like so like on a high of life, I was like, yeah, like I can do what anything I want. I took my little guitar, well, his guitar actually, and I went to Montmartre, which is like this really touristy place in Paris, next to the Basilique du Coeur, which is like a classic, you know, where there's always that one lady with an accordion that plays La Vie en Rose. Do, 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 do. Anyways, <laughs> that's a bad interpretation. And I went with my guitar and I just played some love songs for some tourists. And I was sitting, or I was standing, like next to this wall where it used to be uh, one of Van Gogh's houses, actually. And I would be there and I would like have my guitar and I had put a sign that was like, hey, like I'm a traveler. If you can help, I would appreciate it. Um, and I stayed there for a couple hours, just like playing for tourists, like the same songs over and over again. And I think I made the equivalent of about, I don't know, like 30, 40 euros. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> I was like, I made money doing what I love. Like, this is possible, even in the street. And that left, like, to me, that was like the world. That means I could like I could go and do groceries and I could pay a, a bus ticket and everything. Like, it was just amazing. So. Uh, so I ended up doing that for for a couple of days, just bringing my guitar and, and going and, and, and busking, you know, like just just making making a bit of money. Um, but at the time with my cousin, too, a, a funny stories uh, b before actually all that, before I even went to the club, since we were really uh, like out of money, 
we would go to the market and <laughs> in this particular market in France, basically when you put vegetables, you put them in a plastic bag and then there's a scale that weighs how much you you took and it gives you a price tag. And <laughs> we were so we were so low on money that we would like grab some potatoes or whatever. I'm sorry, or any type of vegetables. And when we would put it on the scale, we would like just hold it like we would kind of not fully let it go. We would still hold the waltz on the on the scale to kind of alleviate some of the pressure. So something like that would have cost us like five euros was costing us like like 85 like cents, which is totally ridiculous. <laughs> but we were like young and excited. So we were laughing as we were doing it. <laughs> we did it a couple of times. And this one time, I think we were being extra loud or, or extra not careful that no one saw us. And I guess someone saw us on the security cameras. And as we were like paying, the cashier just looked at us and she was seeing like huge bag of potatoes, huge bag of beans, huge bag of everything. And the total was like, like two euros 50, <laughs> which just makes no sense. And I think she was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like, don't move. And she brought this security guy. <laughs> I was like, I don't mean to laugh so much. <laughs> Anyways, basically, this guy, this guy brings us to, like, a separate room. It's like an interrogation room. But that was next to the market. I didn't know why they had that. And it's literally like this room that's all like all cement, like all gray, just like one like neon light and two like tiny chairs. And he sits us down and he's like, Yeah, so you wanna like uh you wanna steal things around here? You think that that's how it happens here? Like no one steals anything from this place, right? Starts yelling at us. <laughs> Me and my cousin are like, holy crap. Like, we're going to go to jail. And this guy's like, I'm going to call the police, get you arrested. And I was like, dude, like, I'm not from here. Like, if I get some sort of, like, I don't know, like, offense, like, I'm like my life is done, right? And, like, we weren't giving out a real names. My cousin was, like, freaking out. And at some point, he's like, yeah, I'll take an ID. So my cousin gives his ID. He's like, yeah, I got you. Um, and then the guy like just stays with me and talks to me, gives me like a lesson. Now that I look back, I don't think he really was going to do anything that bad, but he sure as hell did scare me at the time and my cousin. Um, eventually we talked and he let us go and he was like, if I ever catch you doing this again, like it's going to be worse. And we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that definitely taught us a lesson. But not enough because going back to the present after I was busking a little bit, one time I went busking next to the Eiffel Tower. And uh, and then I was like one of the bigger, like most touristy stations. And I was like, I'm not going to pay for a goddamn subway ticket because I hadn't really paid one for months because I would just constantly jump it. And I jump it again. And there was like two, three policemen that were like literally waiting for people to do that. But they were like hitting on the side. And I just jump, and they see me, and this girl just, like, grabs me, like, puts me on the wall. And she's like, hey, like, you can't do that. And I was like, god damn it. And she was like, yeah, well, guess what? It's a, it's a goddamn fine of, like, 100 euros. And I'm like, no, like, please, like, 
like uh, I don't have any cash. I don't have my ID. I have nothing on me, and I actually didn't have my my like debit card. And she's like, "Well, it's either you pay your fine right now, or I bring you down to the station, and we can figure out something else. But then you'll have to pay for the fees of staying in the, t- in the station." And I was like, <gasps> "And luckily, I had my credit card on me, and so I paid it with my credit card, which like got me on debt because of an offense." And you can see it was from, like, the police. And I was like, oh, like, Jesus Christ. So, oh, my God. Yeah, these memories, I swear. So that was that. Uh, and I think right after that, and after busking, I was like, you know, I think I need to take it 25 notches down and just, like, stay, like, stay low-key for a little bit. So I ended up staying with some closer relatives that lived in Normandy, which is... uh more on the on the on the west of France, a couple hours away from Paris. And uh, yeah, I kind of just uh, stayed there for like a couple of weeks, just to kind of put my stuff straight and and kind of recenter myself. Um, yeah, kind of to recenter uh, and just calm down for a little bit because I think I was I had been in a rush for for a couple of months now. So yeah, I'll I'll call that as part one. And uh, I guess from now on, this will be, uh, I guess, part two, just to kind of break it down, yeah. Oh, I lied. I lied. It'll be one shot, one shot, one kill. This is uh, two days later, by the way. I know you're not going to know that, but I know that because I'm the one doing this podcast, clearly. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it one shot. I'm going to just do it one podcast. It's going to be like two hours probably. But if you're interested, you'll still be here. And if you ain't, you're not going to be here. Call that a day. <laughs> so, um, okay. Yeah, we're back at it. That's cool. Everything's done. I can hear myself. The thing is plugged in. Okay, cool. What's up, guys? So, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it one shot. Basically, yeah. So, after being in France for... Uh, a couple of months or no like a month and a half I was like it's time to go and do my thing again and by that time the check of me working at the club had arrived so I I like picked up a little bit of financial stability like barely but enough for me and I booked myself a bus from Paris to Barcelona it was, it was a 24 hour bus and it was an absolute joy ride. It was an ecstasy ride. <laughs> I took this bus um, and everything was fine for like the couple first hours and everything. I had met someone. So like we were talking and vibing. And right when night came. Because there, there were two drivers basically because, you know, it's like 24 hours and they don't really do a lot of stops. So they kind of interchange constantly. And towards the night, because the bus left early afternoon, one of the drivers that was that, that wasn't driving clearly, he stands up and he just like starts animating the bus, and he's like, "You look great, you look funny, and and whatever and whatever," and he was like kind of like chatting with some like elder ladies, <laughs> and then like maybe like an hour into this like nonstop, people started getting like a little joyful and everything and then they start smoking on the bus <laughs> like like tobacco this other lady that was like a total gypsy lady starts like pulls out her pipe puts tobacco in the pipe 
and just like starts like smoking on the bus but like no one seemed to care so I was like okay well, I guess I don't care either and then he started like dancing with this lady and dancing with other girls in the bus this like 50 year old or 60 year old man and I was like 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 what like what is going on <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll make it short but that was basically 24 hours of, of a mess and trying to sleep and not sleeping and kind of chaos basically we got there like i believe it was at like 6 a.m some something like that in barcelona oh i hear someone anyways by the way i'm recording this in my basement no it's not a basement it's a storage space <laughs> barely <laughs> anyways <laughs> i'll post some pictures of this online on instagram but um so basically i get there and i had met yeah like uh, a couple of people in the bus because you know we were just chatting and as i got there with one of the guys we decided we would find a hostel together because like we just decided to stick together and i remember taking this really cool shot that's actually still on my instagram today on that same morning in front of the big arch in barcelona and we found this hostel um and i remember those first couple of nights in barcelona being really stressful and i hate to always come back to this but it was just all like it was this trip was all about the money or the lack thereof um because we booked like a hostel and i remember like looking at the guy and, and we were just like trying to find the cheapest one like no matter how far it was from downtown and i just to be careful i booked only one night because i was like one night's gonna be enough but once again, I had no plans. I had no idea where I was going. And the idea of sleeping outside had become less and less enjoyable. Um, after, like, my adventures uh, before. So, we got there. We went to the hostel. We met some other people. So, I met some, some other guys that I literally became friends with. We went to the beach. We were smoking. We were walking around, doing a bunch of things. But I couldn't stop thinking that, like, I was maybe going to end up in the streets because I really, this time, had nowhere nowhere to go. Um, and so that first night was kind of fun because I knew I had a place to sleep. And it's never always comfortable, those hostels, you know. It's like a bunch of sweaty dudes uh, stuck in a room with, like, bunker beds. <laughs> um, and then the day after, that's when it got really stressful. I remember running... And it was hot. And like I basically checked out the hostel like the hostel at like eleven AM. So I had my big ass bags. And I just ran all day, just making phone calls and trying to like see where I could stay. But no one could help me because every no one had a house there. They were all tourists like me, the people that I had met. And they were going on to different places. So we kinda like it's like friendships for a, a day or two basically. And I was just running like the whole, the whole day. It was terrible. And I remember uh, I went downtown next to the arch again, basically. And I was so like tired and, and out of energy and just like, I was like, I don't know what to do. That in the middle of the arch, which like where people can walk, tourists mainly, I left my bags, pulled out my ukulele again, like I was doing in Paris. And I strummed the 
fuck out of that ukulele <laughs> and i was like i'll make some money so i can like pay another night at the at the hostel uh and i made a whooping amount of one american dollar <laughs> i realized people in, in barcelona are cheaper than paris for 45 minutes of me strumming that ukulele i made one american dollar how sad is that <laughs> and um so i remember even like my energy level was like going even lower you know i was like and i hadn't really slept that well because we were kind of just chilling and smoking the night before and i keep going up that street that was next to the arch and i was like so tired i decided to take a nap right there in in like a big bench that i saw but it was like in the middle of a big street i was like whatever why not there's no better place and i put my big fat bag like as a pillow and my backpack and i held it with my right hand and put it on the floor but i always kept it on my hand because you know you never know if someone can steal it and i had heard that barcelona was a lot of there's a lot of thieves so basically i could feel my big bag on my head so i wouldn't steal it and i had my right bag with my right hand and then for some like by chance my my uh, dad calls me and i was trying to pick up the the city wi-fi so i'm like picking up the city wi-fi I'm speaking with him for like 10 minutes. I'm kind of explaining him what's happening, but I'm not really telling him too much because I just didn't, I refused to have help. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I'll find something. He was like, okay, I guess. And as we're speaking, the internet cuts because when you're on the city Wi-Fi, they only let you use it for like 10 to 15 minutes. And to re-log in to have it, you have to go in your phone and put your information um and like put your email it's just it's annoying it's made to be that way so i literally stand up and i i kid you not i stand up for the equivalent of 20 seconds stand up get my phone try to pick up some signal try to put my email i go around the bench i come back i lay down put my head back on my big bag and i'm speaking with him and after like five minutes I realized that my right hand is empty and I freak out and I turn and my small backpack wasn't there anymore. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, immediately I was like, I think I got, I think I got stolen. Like, so I check and I, it's like this initial amount of like being in shock and I'm trying to look like under the bench, you know, maybe it had disappeared magically. (laughs) I'm trying to look next to the bushes. I'm like talking to tourists and I'm like, have you seen my bag? Like it was there like literally five minutes ago. And everyone was like, nah. And I tell my dad and I'm like, I'll call you back. Cause I think I just like, someone just stole my bag. And I'm looking around. And after like 10 minutes where I'm like a little more relaxed, I think about it. And it was clear. I was like, there's no way that the guy stole nearby. He probably ran so fast after the first 30 seconds. And so they stole my goddamn bag, my backpack that had my ukulele, which I had just used like an hour before. And my only way of making money, basically, they stole my camera with a bunch of footage that I had from Greece, from Rome, from France. Um, they, I had a hard drive, which had some backups, but most of it was, was gone. And the stuff that I had just filmed before... Um, there was some other stuff, I think a sweater, uh, 
But crazy enough, for some reason, that day, that particular moment, I had put both my passport, my wallet, my money um, in my bigger bag, which I never do. Because when you're traveling, you want to have half your important stuff in one bag, half the other in the other bag. So if they steal you one bag, then you still have half your important things in the other one. It's like a rule of thumb. For some reason, that day, I had put everything on the bigger bag and in my pockets. And they stole the small bag that had nothing important, except for the camera and the ukulele. And I was literally so blessed. I was like, it's terrible, I'm sad, but holy crap. Like, thank God they didn't steal my credit card, my passport, like, <laughs> my money. Because the thing I remember too now, right before I sat on that bench... Since I was again low on money, I had taken had taken a little bit of cash out of this ATM machine with my credit card. Which by the way is the stupidest thing. Don't ever do that. It's like you're converting Canadian money in Europe in Euros with a credit card that's not even your money. So they're putting like oh anyways, what a mess. What a mess. So now I was like definitely in debt. I had taken out like three hundred euros and all that cash was in my pocket. And not in my bag, which was insane. So, <sighs> crazy stuff. Anyways, so that happened and I was like really worried over I was going to sleep. And literally a normal hotel was like 200 euros a night. And I was like, I can't blow that on my budget. Um, And then, luckily, through a contact, I was able to find someone who lived in Barcelona. And who was willing the same night to help me out. So I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I pulled up to this lady's house. Uh, I I want to say her name was Anita. I think that's where her name was. Total sweetheart. She was awesome. A little banana. It's a little cuckoo. But who wouldn't be for, for <laughs> literally welcoming me to their house? And I got to her place and... She had this beautiful apartment, which she was doing like Airbnb. So it was like really nice and touristy looking. And uh, she basically like got me there for free. She was like, just like, if you can help around the house, that's enough. Like, and just keeping your company, but you don't have to like pay for anything. And I was like, damn, like crazy. So I stayed there, which felt so good to actually have a place to be. And the next two weeks in Barcelona, Barcelona, Barcelona looked like uh, smoking a bunch of weed, going to the beach, getting tanned, very tanned, the tannest I've ever been in my life, uh, drinking beer, smoking more weed, <laughs> you get the pattern, and chilling with this awesome lady, she was super cool, yeah, definitely had some interesting stories to tell, so. We would be there. I can't remember too much exactly, but I was, yeah, I was like meeting some people, going out, I don't know, doing what a tourist would do. Um, and after a while, so that was almost in June, I went back on Workaway, that famous page, and I found this um, Dutch couple that had this, what looked like amazing villa in the mountains of Spain. And they were looking for people to come and help. And I was like, well, okay, that, that's my calling, I guess. So 
I shoot him an email. They answer me back pretty much immediately. And they're like, you can come whenever you're ready. We'll be here. A couple of days later, pack my shit, take a train down to the smallest town, literally the smallest town ever built. And I head to this place. Um, and that one was an adventure, <laughs> like all the other things, but that one particularly. Because, yeah, it was like this retired old but like rich white couple that had built this like beautiful villa really in the middle of nowhere like in, like their house was secluded from already a pretty secluded town that was further away from another secluded town <laughs> so it was like there was the train brought you you had to take like a like a basically you had to go to a car you can't just walk to the train station uh, you have to drive, yeah, exactly. And uh, and it was just beautiful and even better as the pictures were showing it. It was like they had the main house with like a couple, like the master bedroom and a couple of guest bedrooms. And outside the terrace, there was this like crystal blue pool with an art studio that was right next to it because the, the lady like did painting or whatever. And then there were chairs all around and they were like, palm trees and so many flowers and there was dogs and cats and they had a parrot they had a snake i believe and basically everything was centered around the pool there was the main house the pool the art house the studio and then some other guest houses which was insane so our job was like i was like a pool boy (laughs) so i would be like out here cleaning the pool with it's like couple of leaves with my sunglasses and then i would walk around the town and uh and (laughs) i mean yeah pretty much it was like days where you were just doing and there was this other work away or this other girl that was there too so we would chill and vibe and we would go to like surrounding neighborhoods and we took the train to go to a different um like a different like a bigger city basically to just like kind of like see the around um but it was it was beautiful um and the the day of my birthday so june 20th uh this chick left so i ended up being alone that like for the for whatever how long i was going to stay there and it got really tense like the the guy like the the husband the dutch dude didn't really like it, guys in general and i understood that later he just really preferred girls because he thought guys i don't know were too troublemakers i i don't really know and after i was there like him and i started kind of like bumping heads a little bit just because he was kind of being a douche and i was like don't be a douche <laughs> um because I was, like, the only one. So, he was like, well, what are you going to do about it, you know? <laughs> and then, just to keep me company, they, or, or because someone else wanted to come, this German guy came. <laughs> and this guy was insane. <laughs> they brought this, like, this half-Dutch, half-German guy. That's why they, they brought him. Because the guy didn't want to have other guys. But this one was fine for him. Because he was, like, Dutch. <laughs> he came. <laughs> 
he was like this Rasta, but like white. It was so inappropriate. He had like huge dreads and had built this like <laughs> this like tiny van that had like everything in it. He was like really handy. So it was this van that had like a kitchen in it and a bed and, and some stuff and like some clothes. It was just like everything was really neat and had different compartments. And he stayed there with me and, and we were working together. Um, but he also rapidly realized that the the husband, the Dutch guy, was a little bit of a douche. And so we started bumping heads, him and I, with him. And, and, the, and the vibe became very heated very quickly. And we would have, like, a lot of arguments throughout the day. And I tried not to because I was like, you know, it's not my house. It's not my house. I have to respect that they're hosting me to begin with but he was crossing the limit sometimes you know with the way that he was like speaking to us and everything and the german guy just like did not back down he like had no respect <laughs> um and like they didn't want us to really drink that much or or smoke and of course like we would do both um and yeah it, it just became really intense and at some point he was like like i want you guys to leave soon and like i'm never gonna have guys again because they're all assholes and everything and we were like what <laughs> uh, so he's very vocal about it so i stayed in this magnificent villa for about yeah like a month between the time with the first girl and the german guy and eventually him and i uh, headed back to barcelona but i guess i didn't precise i talked a lot about the german about the the dutch guy but the 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 wife, Maria, I was it Maria. I think Maria. She was a sweetheart. She was the most wholesome lady ever. She was like this high end therapist. Um. And she even gave me like a like a free therapy lesson when I was there, which was like amazing. That was just it, there's part of the things of the experiences that you have when you're traveling that you just wouldn't have otherwise. Just meeting amazing people. Um, and she really gave me like in uh, like emotional therapy basically and, and like just kind of really dug deep in some things and and she kind of helped me make sense of why I was in this trip to begin with and kind of like break down some barriers in a lot of ways um so I guess I'm not really going too much in these stories just because I I kind of forget them honestly there's a lot of things that when I'm now that I'm speaking that I realized that I didn't really look back after once it was done it was just like a lot of intense things that I was living and going through but anyways that that was one of them that I guess I wanted to share and after that me and and, and I forgot his name so I'll, I'll just call him German dude but me and German dude went back on his van and, and left and the the Dutch husband didn't even say bye he was like in his room when we left he was like so salty just peanut butter salty and I remember this guy was nuts. Like, he was smoking cigarettes, like, nonstop. Like, he would roll them. And he would just smoke. Uh, he would drive so, like, so fast with this, like, tiny truck. The truck was, like, go He's <laughs> trying to keep up the rhythm. And we drove all the way back to, to Barcelona. That was, like, a couple hours. And we went back to where I was staying before. And uh, him and the girl also, like, the, the three of us got along really well. Um, and yeah, he was a, he was a crazy dude. Like he would wake up in the morning and he would take shots of vodka 
like right after waking up. You would maybe want to puke. It was nasty. I only did it once, by the way. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so uh, so that's a uh, that's about that. I think I can't remember how long I stayed after that. But then, like now, we were going into July, and me and my sister had planned to meet up in Paris to take a direct flight to Germany because we wanted to travel together. And it would be the first time I see family in over six months, I think. So, um, I, I can't remember exactly what it was like, but I believe that I wanted to stay. Or, I, oh no, I, okay, I was feeling like the I was taking a lot of space with the girl in the, in her apartment with the other German dude. So I decided that I would go back to Paris, wait a couple of days before my sister gets there, and then we would take that flight directly together to go to, to Berlin, basically. So I booked another 24-hour bus back to Paris. The, the, the day after, I believe, I left back to Paris. Um, and I remember having a really intense feeling because this time, my cousin, it was already summer, so my cousin didn't have his apartment anymore. He was back in with his family back up in the up in the north um and it's always stressful when you go somewhere and you have like nowhere to sleep and when i started the the trip it felt like an adventure thing you know like once sure like get to greece you have nowhere to sleep whatever it's fun but then when it keeps happening again you kind of realize what that implies once you've lifted and it becomes more of a stressful thing than than kind of like a go with the flow type of situation the one in in Spain in Barcelona was already really intense, and then I was going back to Paris again with no money and again having nowhere to sleep, and I was like, oh, like this is like th- this one is intense, and I, and I remember feeling really nervous the whole trip. And when I got after like an, another twenty four hour bus, I got to Paris, um, and I was the train the bus station was next to this huge um, like a library like the public one in Paris. And I remember going there with my crappy-ass laptop that I had bought back in Rome that just literally, by the way, almost never worked. Like, it couldn't even hold, like, Google Chrome. Like, it like, couldn't even load Google. It was insane. Um, and I was trying to go on this app called Couchsurfing, which, if you don't know it, is basically an app that lets uh, strangers host you in, in, in their house or apartment couch surfing because oftentimes you're probably gonna have the couch <laughs> but sometimes people like have a bed for you or whatever um and basically it's best to be verified in that app because of course people want to host other people who seem like they're real and not gonna cause you any trouble but i didn't want to pay for that thing it was expensive by the way so i had like this crappy profile with like one picture of me <laughs> That looked not legit. Uh, and I, you can only send, I think it's like 10 messages per week. And then like you have to wait another week. So I was being really careful to who I was writing and make sure like it was like a message that was appealing and so on would host me. Um, and I think I sent like six or seven and no one replied except for one dude. And oh geez. <laughs> oh geez was he weird <laughs> he was this like tall bald <laughs> french guy and he he hosted me uh, uh 
saying, yeah, come on over to, to my place. Like, I'll host you for a couple of days. And he lived in the most typical Paris apartment that I had ever seen. But before we get into that, when he replies, I'm like, let's go. I'm not going to be in the streets. Bless up. I take my bags, sweaty as always. I leave and I'm going to walk to his place because I was like, it's a nice day. Why not just walk? You know, I've been doing that for months on end. It's not going to stop now. And as I'm walking, I remember it was like so hectic. Paris was going crazy because it was the it was the pride parade. And literally, since he was living in a really nice neighborhood in Paris, like like there's no downtown, but like in one of the good arrondissements, the parade was literally like going in one of the main streets there. And I remember, like, I was walking, I was so sweaty, and there was, like, people dancing, and there was, like, all these huge buses, and it was, like, it's, like, so ecstatic, people were going crazy, and there was some football match, some soccer match happening, so, like, anyways, it was, I remember almost being blurry, I was also, again, really tired, because I have to mention that didn't sleep well sometimes, (laughs) so, um, and I'm walking through this, through this, the pride parade, you know, like through like with all the people with my bags, and I'm walking for like I think it's like an hour, and I get to his place, and it's like this secluded street, but pretty much in, like I was saying, one of the good neighborhoods of Paris, and you had to walk this like like tiny staircase up to this like um like this tiny door at the attic of this building, and he had this tiny apartment, literally like tiny like that and you know the the roof wasn't like a typical north american roof it's like um it's like in diagonal so basically it kind of like falls down in an angle so you kind of lose some space i don't know if i'm explaining it correctly but i I think you know what i mean and uh and he was a really weird guy but anyways the apartment was really nice there was like this view in his balcony from like a bunch of um like surrounding neighborhoods and all the windows were facing kind of the same direction so you could just see all the neighbors like there wasn't really that much privacy all the neighbors you could see each other and he would tell me he would see sometimes when their neighbors were fucking and everything like a very a very paris lifestyle um but basically what was so weird about this guy is that he was a nudist basically so so he uh he was a big believer that 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 you know it's important to be naked uh 24 7 but it it, it's not a it's not a young guy (laughs) it's an an older dude like in his like 40s 50s um so yeah so this guy was literally naked fucking you know butt ass naked just doing his thing (laughs) i was like like this is where i'm like this is where i'm at like i'm not that point of lowness um and and yeah just a, a really weird dude but actually so the funny thing is he was an art teacher at one of the most prestigious art schools in paris i mean unless he was totally bullshitting me but i believe he wasn't because you need to have money to live in a place like that even though it's like small but still um, but he was like this prestigious prof that I guess in his own time liked receiving people and, and being naked and uh, anyways, it's just so so cringe. Oh my god! So I stayed there for 
I believe, two nights. And during those two nights, I would go out to couch surfing events to meet people, you know, like I was doing pretty much everywhere else I was going. And I had made a few brief connections, but nothing that's that was like, you know, like intense or like a great friendship. And after my second night with this with this dude, I was like, I can't like I like I just I can't do like I it, it's I can't I can't do it literally. I can't be in here. It's not possible. It's not. It's toxic. Um. So after yeah the the two nights, I I leave and I'm like you know what dude thank you peace ciao. Um, and that was the first night where I was I guess homeless yeah. For that whole day, because I think I left his house in the afternoon, because I was, I was like, I can't sleep here. I just, I don't want to sleep here. And I left my bags maybe like six p.m. No, 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 no. I left at like four p.m. Yeah. And I found nothing. I sent my last remaining messages of couch surfing that I had for the week. No one replied. I had no contact. I had no cash. I was in debt. And that's where I just, it, I hit it. I was like, you know what? The, the, like, that's what you wanted. There you have it. Like, you're on your own. And I had purposely, I guess, like, put myself there, right? It's like, there's no one, there's no one I could blame. And I didn't want to blame anyone either, I guess. So I went back to the library where I felt like I felt safe. And I spent the night outside literally i had nowhere to go and i realized how hard it was um as i was having this adventure <laughs> no no not an adventure it's a terrible time um like paris has a lot of homeless people um so like everything is made so it's not comfortable the the benches are always separated um by like pieces of metal so you can never really lay down be comfortable the the train stations also just like they they keep kicking you out. Uh, so basically, you don't really sleep. Like um, at that time when I was there, there was a lot of refugees, a lot of uh, a lot of um, Syrian refugees, a lot of Palestinian refugees, um, a lot of um, I don't know exactly where, but there was just like a lot of people. Like Paris is filled with people in the streets. Um, and they just had it like I, I had seen them before, but when you really see it, see it with your own eyes, and you're in that situation, well, I can't compare it to them at all, honestly. You know? I'm sorry I even said that, but um, just seeing like some of them had like tents outside, like behind bridges, but it would like they're all over the place. Um, it's really sad to see. So my whole night basically constituted of walking around, just completely tired trying to sleep in a bench but like it just it's not comfortable like sleeping in a wood a hard ass bench then i would go on a train station they kick you out you would go somewhere in the street police would come and kick you out oh yeah and and i even saw like some some spots where like especially syrian refugees would be like in like small parks and everything police would come by like put the sirens so everyone would wake up like literally chase them out and they'd have to like walk in the middle of the night, go to another park, fall back asleep. A couple hours, hours later, the police would come back again. Like, so you're being chased constantly and you don't really have a place to sleep. It's really intense. 
so I would kind of like stick with with like a, a group at some point. Like I was with I wasn't with them, but I was close to them, and I would just I like literally lay down, like at like three. It was like three a.m. in the middle of this park, cold as fuck, with like my tiny sweater, and I would like literally lay down on the grass, pretending it was like my bed, um, and I would try to sleep but then you have like ants crawling on you so you kind of move and then it's like not comfortable and the police comes you move it was like that back and forth um and there's like a bunch of creepy people at night also especially in paris it it was had a couple of one encounter that was kind of disgusting uh and so then i would yeah i would like take like i would walk basically slowly having nowhere to go and at some points like close to like a highway uh there's like a bench and i just sat there and i actually was able to sleep for like an hour i think um yeah like i think something like that and uh and eventually like once the sun came up and it was like 6 a.m i was like jesus like thank god and then the the um the library opened and they had like these huge bean bags I just was the first one through the door. And they actually had, for some reason that day, some breakfast for, like, a group of people. So I kind of went there and pretended I was there and stole some mini croissants and stuff <laughs> to eat breakfast. And I just crashed on a beanbag for a couple hours. I was I had slept, like, two hours max. So tired. Um, And after that, I spent, I think, the whole day close to the library, kind of just, like, really trying to figure out where I was going to go. And I remember speaking with uh, one of my good friends back from from uh, high school called Nina. So, cheers, Nina. Um, and she was like, "Oh, well, uh, you know, like, have you not met?" Because I told her I was like, "Like, here's what happened. Like, I don't want to sleep in the street again." And she was like, "Have you met anyone like in like since in an event that could host you?" And I was like, "Oh, not really." She's like, "Like, think about it. Have you never met anyone?" And I was like, oh, I did meet this one guy when I was sleeping at the weird French guy's place at this couch surfing event. Um, this Palestinian dude, and we had like a pretty cool connection, but we didn't didn't go forward. And we had exchanged like Facebooks. And I was like, oh, I have this guy. Oh, maybe I should text him. So it was super random. And I was like, hey, dude, listen, I don't know if you remember me back from the event, uh, but I'm kind of in a pickle right now. Like it would mean so much to me if you could host me for like, a night i can give you like the little money that i have left um it's okay if you don't want to like don't worry about it and his message is literally like julian of course like don't even worry like here's my address come right now we'll make dinner and i was like like i think i cried i cried i was like like how and he lived again a a little bit in the in, in the french ghetto but it wasn't really that bad um, not like my cousin before, so I went to his place, and he was like the most, most welcoming guy, I'm not gonna say his name just to keep his privacy, but bless you if you hear this, honestly, I still have him on Facebook, um, just like a sweetheart, and like, he, like I took a shower at his place, like cleaned after like a day, because I was like sweaty and disgusting, and like he made me dinner and we spoke and we like smoked shisha um and it's like super cheesy to say but like it's again when you see like the people who have the least share the most this guy was a student he had left his family back 
in uh, in Palestine. He was living in this like pretty small, like this one bedroom apartment, basically. Um, he was studying. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but super smart dude. Um, and he didn't have much, but he was like willing to share it with me. Uh, and just like, incredible. And he was like, and I told him, I was like, dude, you don't know how many people I've contacted who had money and refused. And you're the first one who like would host me. And he was like, well, you know, like he, he just took it so lightly. He was like, yeah, no problem, man. I got you. And I even got to meet his friends after like they came over the next day, I believe. And I even like chilled with him. Um, anyways, it was r- really the most heartwarming experience I think I had. Or one of the most in my whole time when I was traveling in Europe. And I realized like that these are the kind of people who really have also like the, the tough experiences. I sure mind, but but he really had like crazy stuff to say. And I was like, damn, like it just made me feel um like so grateful for what I had. Cause I was like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I it was me who just made poor judgment and who ended up being in these situations, but he had no choice. Like he was born in a place where you know, you kind of have to, to survive and, like, truly survive. And I was like, damn, like, this guy's, this guy's a warrior. This guy's so strong. And so much respect for him, honestly. So much respect. Um, And so I waited the next couple of days before my sister got there at his place. You know, he was more than happy to, to host me there while he was studying. And, you know, we would make dinner together and everything. Um, and I spent those days also exploring a little bit more of Paris. And then my sister got to Paris at the airport. I met her directly there. And we flew together. So next part of the story. To Germany. We. So I was, by the way, so happy to see her. I was like, oh my god, my sister. <laughs> like, for them, you know, s- six months just seems like whatever it goes by quick when you're on your routine but for me every day was so long like it felt like i hadn't seen anyone so close to me in forever and i was like wow like come here give me a hug (laughs) um and i realized how much we both had changed you know like it was just like a huge a huge step just to see that and, and the things that we had lived separately so we caught up and we had or yeah we had booked or she, no, I'd say she had booked because I was pretty done. This, uh, this um, was it like Airbnb, yeah, uh, in a pretty cool neighborhood in Berlin. And we we're gonna stay there for a couple of days before seeing a good friend of hers and a good friend of mine too, um, that lived uh, in a small university town in like in the middle of, of Germany. Um. She she had lived with us back in Montreal a couple of years back as an exchange student. So we had gotten really close with her and we wanted to visit. So basically, when we took the plane, we got to, to Berlin, which, by the way, crazy but awesome city. And getting there, we... <laughs> so after the airport, we took the bus to get to the apartment. We realized that the place that she had booked, <laughs> it was... It wasn't like a room. We were sharing with this girl her apartment but it she also lived in like a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> so, and i remember we paid more than we should have for what we were given it was like this really intense german girl and she had her bed and basically my sister and i were sleeping like on the floor 
with like this small mattress <laughs> like that's where you sleep when you couch couch surf not when you pay for airbnb <laughs> and the moment we got there she was super intense and kept talking about her life and her like the people who had passed away in her life and it was like so morbid and i remember me being like like what and my sister being so like what is happening the moment we got there she was speaking about these things so we were like okay <laughs> we explored um around you know it would take walks i think we stayed there for like two days we would eat some delicious doner kebab yeah so good um and after that we took a train and went to see a friend at her little town and i cherish that moment so so much we stayed there for i believe it was two weeks and it was just like i think from there on i kind of realized that my rough part of the trip had ended and now is more to really like have fun and, and, and enjoy every moment of it because i was like in a better place um and it was awesome like this small town with a bunch of students it was like germans are so they're so active like literally i know it's a stereotype but germans are like literally good looking active smart as hell super like environmentally conscious like i remember when we got there like they, they eat this 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 bread called pumpernickel <laughs> and it's this like totally like brown slash black looking bread that's like super nutritious and that's actually kind of good if you get used to it um and me and my sister would go to the supermarket and like we would buy avocados because we're like you know that's like it's like good it's tasty and they'd be like what like no you can't eat avocados like they're not like <laughs> they're not ecologically responsible you have to eat like things that grow locally like they were just way ahead of us we were like yeah no meat we'll eat vegetables and they were like no you have to eat these type of vegetables we were like okay and fruits um and it was a really nice experience we would go to like the surrounding there was like a lake close by so you would literally bike to the lake and it was, it was like now we were in plenty of july so it was like summer like fun time who says fun time <laughs> anyways it was summer time going to the lake swimming smoking talking um and one of the last things that happened is we went to this festival and and our friend that we went to visit explained to us that basically in that university there were two guys who were studying uh who were in medical school so first of all that's already really intense and really academically busy and on top of that, they had started this festival called Sontag. That, that just means Sunday. Every summer. Um, and that summer was their third, I believe, time or second time. And I think it was their last time because then they were finishing university. But when I talk, it's, it's like not a small festival. It was like this intensely organized and amazing festival. Basically, they had rented, again, I don't I don't even know where we were at that point, but somewhere in the middle of the forest in, in a German place. Um, they had rented this museum for the weekend. And it was a museum that held 
a couple of trains or trams that were used, um, I believe, during the Second World War. So they were pretty much intact, and actually one of them was still running, like a bit of its track. So you had this like these vintage, amazing train tracks, and they had like basically built this festival around it. So you had a different stages, and the train would bring you from one area to the second area that was a little more secluded. The train was running 24 hours, so never stopping. Each train, each wagon had its own theme. So it was either the smoker's room or it was for games or for like local restaurants to sell their food or psychedelic, like whatever. And they had this like cinema, like screening place. It was literally insane. And each place you went had like its own, almost like a, like a, not Coachella, but like a low-key Coachella American would want to try it to be cool type of thing. But it was like actually underground and actually cool because Germans are just so cool. <laughs> so we ended up going to that festival that was amazing, Sonntag. And we spent two days there. And it's basically two days of like drinking and seeing artists play. And it was like electronic music. And it was just so good. I saw some amazing artists, which I forgot their name. But it was like at some point it was raining and this guy was like rapping and like in the middle of like this wagon like, <laughs> on the stage. It was it was so beautiful. Uh, and yeah, you would just like you would if you had danced all night, you would sleep uh, whatever next to like in this wagon with some random strangers smoking a joint or or at some point I crashed in the screening area and this because there was this huge nice couch. Or you would, you could go back to your tent, or what, it was like a free for all of music and fun and everything. Um, and we would go to like another local river and we would swim because they had no showers, so you could just go there and like wash yourself and everything. So really rustic, really German. Not that all Germans are like that, by the way, but they, this was particularly fun. Um, and yeah, this festival Sonntag was so many good memories. The soundtrack. I think I might post that. I think I'll post the soundtrack of that. It's so good. I'll make the intro. I'll make it the intro for this uh, for this podcast. And uh, and yeah. And after after we had finished our trip to Germany, we went back to France again. That was like kind of like the main point because we had this uh, reunion with a bunch of family members. Um, luckily, the, the time that I was there matched because it was the year that we were doing a big reunion with basically all the. The, my French side, which was intense, but I won't get into that. We had this reunion, and then in now we were like in August. I went back to Paris for a day just to catch my flight back. I spoke with, uh, I stayed there with my my friend again that had hosted me before from from Palestine. I just told him how much I loved him and how much he meant to me that he would host me again to come back. And the day after that. I took a plane and I headed my ass back to where I belong, <laughs> to Montreal. And that concludes my 2018 trip. Yeah, damn. I don't know how long in the time I'm at, but if you made it this far, thank you. And I hope you appreciated the story. 
Alright everybody, to the people who are still here and listen to the end, uh, I don't know why you're still here, but thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I really do appreciate it. I hope you found it at least interesting, got something out of it, um, and if it was just for the fun of it, then cool. Without further ado, take care guys. Bye.